We've Been Around the Block is a podcast coming to you from the heart of the KZN Midlands. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Anthony Jarvie. And today's episode is really about reviewing the 2021 season and picking up some questions that have come up through the mailbag. So my guest today is Colin Prince, who is an avid listener of the podcast. Welcome, Colin. Thank you, Anthony. So Colin has listened to all the shows, uh, he claims. So what we'll do is ask Colin just a little bit about his podcasting history. So Colin, tell me, what sort of podcast do you listen to? Mostly to do with uh, my hobbies. I listen to a few cricketing podcasts from around the world. A couple of general knowledge, so things like 99% Invisible, um, Humor, no such thing as a fish. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, a little bit of everything, right. Yes. Yeah, okay, right. So I think that you would probably have the, the background knowledge to be critical about about the show, and so <laughs> I've got to be careful here. So we'll take a short break, and after the break, we will delve into the show and follow up with questions from the mailbag. Today's episode is sponsored by Panoseed. Safety is very close to Panos core values. And so today's episode will pass on the message of safety. So the first thing is obviously live safely, work safely, and then podcast safely, right? So many of the listeners to this show pick up their podcasts directly via the Buzzsprout website which probably means they clicked on a link directing them to the podcast. And really, this is very convenient if you're sitting in your, in your lounge or killing time somewhere comfortable. But if you're driving, this is probably not the way to pick up your podcast. So um, I would really urge people who are driving to download a, a podcasting app and pick up your podcast through something like Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Diesel. There are many podcasting apps that are very user-friendly and certainly you do not need to interact with your phone while you're driving. Many people are using podcasts instead of radio. And so it's very convenient to, to be able to queue up a couple of podcasts and use this on your daily commute. So with that safety message, I would say drive carefully and podcast safely. Right, back to the show. Colin, to what extent do you think South Africans are ready for podcasts as, as a social media platform? I think probably not as ready as, say, Americans, possibly some parts of the first world. We're quite a small country to find podcasts that are specific to local news, local conditions, local... Local input, content. Local yeah. content, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> is quite difficult. Um but it is shifting and it is changing and more and more people are becoming aware of podcasts and more people that I chat to socially will admit that they are using podcasts, downloading podcasts. And Yeah, in a social setting, you could probably two years ago say you listen to a podcast and you draw a blank from, from just about everybody in the crowd. Yes. Um, and nowadays, you know, if you said you were listening to podcasts, most people would nod, right? 
Yes, and offer a few suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, I do believe that our niche market is probably a more conservative market and and perhaps you sort of wouldn't expect this to be the first place that podcasting would, would reach. But I've been pleasantly surprised, I must say, with the reach of our of our podcast, even though we have a very specific or speciality market. Yeah, I think what happens is that the news sort of spreads, it spreads virally, I suppose the word is. Yeah. And then if you're putting out content that is of use to people and means something to them, they'll put other people in contact. Right, yeah. Show them where it is. Okay. Um, you know, so the other thing is that we have published 11 episodes in 2021, in approximately 10 months. What is your opinion on the cadence of this show? Do we need to do it more often? Do we need to do it less often? Uh, what's your opinion on that? The, the podcasts I look forward to are the ones that come out quite regularly. I get to know what day of the week they come out on and you, you look for them specifically if it's something that you, you really enjoy. So I think it, it is frustrating when you find a good podcast and the time between episodes is, is too long or irregular. Right, yeah. I, I so, suspect regularity yeah. is more important and predictability, yeah. predictability. than actual. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'll take that to heart, right? But everybody knows that producing a podcast takes quite a lot of resources. And, and so you would say pretty much if you had to have a weekly podcast, that would be practically all you would do. Yes. If you had a daily podcast, you would need a, a huge team. Um, so a monthly podcast sort of fits into what I could squeeze in for this show. And perhaps in the quieter months, maybe two in a month, right? Yes. From a personal point of view, I, I like knowing when to expect the next one. Right. Okay. So so there's also the seasonality of the content. So if you, yes. if you think we were an agricultural-based podcast and there's quite a bit of seasonality you know many of the shows actually can be listened to again because you know if you think about it so so last year roughly march we did a podcast on soybean rust and we are sitting in january this year and and really that sort of time of year is coming around again and so it would be important for producers or people servicing the industry to to understand the issues around soybean rust. You know, it might not be a bad idea to take in the soybean rust show again just because this is that time of the season. And and yes. perhaps this is not restricted to the rust podcast, but to some of the others like uh, sclerotinia. Yeah. That's one of the big advantages of a podcast compared to a radio broadcast is, is that you can go back and catch an old episode if, if it's got something you want to re-listen to. Right. And if you've missed something or want a bit of clarity, you can always skip back a few seconds or a few minutes. and Like the PVR. Yes, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> PVR for radio. KVR. Right. Yes, absolutely. Right. So the other thing is that, that our shows average about 20 to 30 minutes. What is your take on, on that length of show? I'd say you don't really want to go less than that. Right. So obviously my personal preferences. I don't mind listening to podcasts that go on for up to an hour or over an hour because I, I won't necessarily try and finish the podcast in one bite. Um, I'll, I'll listen to it while I'm out walking the dogs or if I'm 
driving off somewhere, I'll put the podcast on, and when I get back in the car on the way home, it'll carry on where it left off. Right. I have a story to tell you on this, my dear mother. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of my avid listeners, but she hasn't yet discovered the speakerphone function on her phone. So with the... Her arm's getting sore. Yes. <laughs> with the Soybean Rust episode, it was almost 40 minutes long, and she phoned me afterwards and said, that's too long. I couldn't hold the phone to my ear for that long. So I also think that in terms of length, to get people to concentrate for much longer is quite difficult, particularly if it's a technical talk. If it's lighthearted, probably not an issue, but technical talks is quite difficult to hold attention for longer than that. So I think we are hitting the spot in the 20 to 30 minute zone. I'd, I'd say that's about right, yes. Right. Good. Okay, Colin, um, shall we shall we get on to the mailbag? We've had a, a couple of questions coming through from our listeners. And so just a quick reminder to let you know that listeners are able to make comments and offer suggestions and be kind, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And the address to do that is admin at podsquad.ca.za. Right, so what do we have in the mailbag there? The first question here is from episode 7, and it concerns endpoint royalty. Should farmers who buy their seed still be liable for the EPR? Right, okay, so this is a pretty important question, and it gets asked reasonably often, right? Maybe just to recap then, so with soybeans, roughly 80% of the soybean acreage in South Africa gets planted with seed that is retained and not bought directly from seed companies, which means that seed companies only sell seed to roughly 20% of the market. And this was really what influenced the market to go towards the endpoint royalty. Now, the endpoint royalty is obviously a royalty that is collected at delivery of the grain. And so the question is, if you've bought your seed, should you still be paying the endpoint royalty? And the answer, the short answer is yes, obviously. The, the longer answer is really that the size of the endpoint royalty actually dictates how cheap the seed will be. So if the endpoint royalty is large then seed companies will lower the seed price in order to get a bigger share of the endpoint royalty. And really, you need both factors in the equation because no business would operate in a market where the profits were dictated by somebody else. When you buy a seed, you are also paying for good quality, you are paying for certification, you are paying for low risk in terms of your production. Um, at, at what point would a differential royalty rate be considered? Currently, there is only a single endpoint royalty value, and that is leveraged across all the varieties. In Australia, they have a system that individual varieties can um, have differential endpoint royalties. And I believe in South Africa this could not occur if, um, if we didn't have a decent system to be able to identify the source of the grain, right? If we had a good cultivar identification system, like a genetic fingerprint, which was easy to use and available at all the grain delivery points, then we could perhaps have a differential endpoint royalty. But currently... This doesn't look like it's going to happen 
anytime soon. And, and the reason is really that we rely on farmer declaration or identifying the variety. And if, if there was a strong enough incentive for farmers not to declare the variety correctly, then we would be in a situation where we would have trouble. So currently, I don't think that we could withstand a differential endpoint royalty at this stage. Okay, so yeah, there's, there's no benefit to the farmer to misdeclare um, as long as the, the royalty is all the same. Yes, currently there's no reason for the farmer not to declare correctly. Right, um, so we, we have another question and this comes out of episode five, right? Yes, it's to do with beans and sugarcane. Right. Where do we start if we want to bring beans into rotation with sugarcane? Right, so I was very pleasantly surprised with the response to, to this episode. The answer to that is really sugarcane farmers need to prepare a year or a two years in advance to start rotating with dry beans. And the reason for this is that the herbicides that sugarcane farmers use are quite toxic to dry beans. And so sugar farmers really need to start to prepare for rotation by reducing herbicide load ahead of rotating with beans. And so that really requires forethought in terms of your entire production system. We move on to the next question. Yes. <laughs> do you think BT soybeans will be as popular as BT maize? Yes, I do. <laughs> but just looking at BT maize, it, it really has become the default option yes. for maize production in South Africa. And much of this has to do with with convenience, right? Yes. You know, so if it's, you think about farmers using BT, it, it means that their risk is contained. It means that their management level is reduced, although most farmers need to take into consideration that they would have a refuge, right? Yes. So the same thing will happen with BT soybeans. We don't know at this stage to what level the insect problems are significant with soybeans because farmers spray automatically, right? Yes. And and this is really to contain risk. And, and so I believe that we had the same situation in maize production 20 years ago. And now it has become the standard. And so I believe the same thing will happen in soyas. It will become standard in South Africa to use BT soybeans. Okay, and then following on from that, what are the timelines for the launch of CE3? Okay, so just for those who don't know, CE3 is a product which is coming down the Corteva pipeline and it stands for Conquesta E3. And the Conquesta part is BT, so it contains two cryproteins for insect resistance against Lepidopteran insects, right? And so that's really exciting. But on top of that, there are three herbicide resistances, two of which are novel. So the, the first is glyphosate, which we currently have. The second is Enlist, which is a, a new formulation of 2,4-D. And the last is glufosinate. And so this combination of, of three herbicides is incredibly exciting to have in your rotation system. And so the, the question is, when is CE3 coming? And, and it's not something that anybody can answer with great accuracy at this stage because it's a GM product, which means that it needs to go through deregulation. And so the, the whole process of deregulation is currently ongoing. And 
because much of this is not in, in control of Corteva. They cannot predict with any great accuracy when C3 will hit the market. But we do know that it is coming and it's going to change soybean production for South African farmers for, for good. Great, thank you. The next question is, what can we expect from the show in 2022? Right, so, so I think we need to touch on all the important aspects. And to me, the, one of the big aspects uh, has to do with uh, regulatory. So the regulatory discussion that we've just been through is not only for GM products. It also has to do with cultivar registration. It has to do with herbicide registration and getting herbicides registered for current use. It also has to do with intellectual property protection. And so the regulatory process is a very critical cog in the whole agricultural industry. And it's also important for beans and, and soybeans. And so I think that it would be a very good idea to bring on an expert in terms of the regulatory discussion. If you look at it, it is it is a vital cog in agriculture. Yes, it's not optional. It is absolutely not optional. And if you think of the chaos that is caused by products skipping the regulatory process, and you just have a look at the ivermectin debacle, and, and you see what can happen. And we really need to make sure that the regulatory process is upheld and that it operates smoothly. Right. So the, the next issue has to do with perhaps fertilization and inoculation. And I don't know how much you have traveled in the last uh, month or so. Not as much as I did a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. So, so I've, Mostly I've, local to KZN. Right. So I've, I've done a fair amount of traveling across the summer rainfall areas. So we've had amazing rain, but the crops are actually not looking particularly good. It's mostly, you know, you have this... It's like this waving hand that says, I'm not saying hello, I'm drowning. Um, <laughs> so the, the crops are really struggling and, and you see yellow maize everywhere. You see soybeans that are not looking particularly happy. And, and so showing lots of signs of hunger. And, and so I think, I think it would be a good idea. And perhaps, perhaps it's too late for this season. Wow. It's never too late, right? Uh, yeah, but we really need to get a fertilization expert onto the show and perhaps somebody who has in-depth knowledge of rhizobia and inoculation. Because I think that although rhizobia fix nitrogen for uh, legume plants, and that is seen as a great benefit in agriculture, but I do believe that in seasons like we are experiencing currently, that they also are susceptible to anaerobic conditions caused by waterlogging. And so I think it would be a good idea to, to get an inoculations expert on the show. So the next thing I think might well be something to do with the canning industry. Um, okay. I don't know to what extent you eat baked beans, but, but we certainly are great baked bean consumers. I, I tend more towards a rare rump steak. But <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and actually, when I started out, canning beans were probably only about 20% of dry bean production area, and now they, they're probably up 30%. And I believe this can be ascribed to the growing middle class. And, and yeah. certainly there's, there's a lot to be said for a bean in a can. Yeah. People have less time... Yeah, both, um, both well, partners working and yeah. So, firstly, they can afford to buy bean in a can, and secondly, they would have an incentive to. 
Yes. Yeah. So we will do some discussion on canning beans. And then we've already touched on the launch of C3. And so I think this is really going to be the, the next big thing in soybean production. And so we have a great friend of the show, Marlene van Royen, who's an entomologist. But I believe that we'll need many more entomology-related discussions on the show just because it's going to become such a big part of soybean production. You know, if you just think of the science behind refuges, then, you know, there's many discussions there. And then following on to that, also with two new herbicides for South Africa soybean production, I believe that we would we would look to have a, a herbicide expert on the show at least to have a look at, at the weed spectrum that, that these herbicides might control and also look at issues like tank mixing and things like that. So we would do both insects and new herbicides. A bit of the scientific background and a bit of the practical applications. A- absolutely, yeah. So I think we have a, a very nice spread of topics that we can discuss um, in this coming year. And if there are any more topics, um, we'd gladly take suggestions from listeners. And I'll give you that email again. It's admin at podsquad.co.za. Right, Colin. Well, thank you very much for, for being on the show. Thank you for your loyal listenership. You really need a, a medal <laughs> a medal to sit through these. But it's not like YouTube where I get a sticker to put on my door somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, so we do compete with YouTube, but it's really an unfair competition. But podcasting, I think, is going to be a, a growing medium, and it's really nice to be at the forefront of something new for agriculture in South Africa. Uh, congratulations to you for seizing the bull by the horns and, and going for it. Right, thank you. Easy to just talk about it and never get it done, but <laughs> yeah. you've done it. Yeah, good. <laughs> well done. Well, thank you. Right, so we'll close off the show then. It's been an absolute gas talking to you. Until next time, take care.